from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Coming up this hour, it's Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But we start off today's broadcast with a new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're joining us on our live stream, today is Wednesday, September 23rd. But for those of you joining us on the radio, it's Thursday, September 24th. I'm John Van Trieste and joining me here in the studio today is Catherine Wei. Hi. Coming up next, we'll be telling you about a tea shop in the Penghu Islands that's gotten an unexpected visit from the president. Then Taiwan's borders may be closed to international tourists, but the food-crazy city of Tainan isn't waiting for them to reopen to roll out multilingual menus with the aim of bringing the city's food to a global audience. Then, as COVID empties airports elsewhere, one airport in southern Taiwan has just seen its first traffic in six years. Please stay tuned for all that coming up in just a moment. Well, the Penghu Islands uh, are home to a naval base. Makes sense. Uh, they sit in the middle of the Taiwan Strait. And the owner of a local tea shop there must have been pretty excited to get an order for 44 cups of tea from the base. Uh, however, the crew was unexpectedly called to set sail, and so they just kind of canceled their order. So this uh, tea shop owner had 44 cups of tea lying around. Aww. No one to buy them. <laughs> Um, and But instead of being angry, uh, this owner offered them at a discounted price online, and they sold out within an hour. Oh, wow. This positive attitude uh, towards the troops has uh, earned this shop the name of the nickname of Patriotic Beverage Shop. That's not their <laughs> actual name. I, I don't think that's very... The marketing people would really uh, no, approve of that. But it is an okay moniker in Chinese, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the store manager says that actually it's okay because protecting the country is kind of the first priority. It takes precedence over tea. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess as a way of thanking this uh, shop for its good attitude and its support for the troops, the president showed up. Oh, unexpe- wow. Out of the blue. She was in Penghu? Yeah. Um, this was on Tuesday. A and vacation? I, don't, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think she gets a, much of a vacation. No, no. This is a full-time job, um, people. And, well, and she would prefer to spend it with her cats, honestly, I think. Maybe. I, uh, I staycation. Oh. And she ordered 150 cups of winter melon lemon tea. For the troops? Yeah. Wow. Um, and, yeah, she was, oh, okay. She was with it at an Air Force and Navy base. So she oh, did a, okay. a whirlwind she was touring. tour, I guess. Uh-huh. And, yeah, um... Oh, to make up for the nice canceled order, and more than doubled too, so not bad actually. Wow! And uh, as a bonus, the manager of the shop says that since this particular story made the news a couple of days ago, her business has increased by thirty percent. So people heard about it, and I guess they they like her flocked in to yeah. get winter melon tea. I mean, the president went there. It can't be that bad, right? Yeah, I might go. 
to if yeah. a president the president went to a tea shop well, next to my place. Wasn't there this uh, stand food stand in Vietnam that got really crazy famous because Obama? Oh ate there? yeah, and Bourdain. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, it's on my list. That's too. two legendary people, but yeah. um, I guess you know the president and the, the troops too enjoying some winter melon lemon tea. Uh, that must be their top selling item, I'm guessing now. Yeah, they'll probably call it the president's tea. Cool. Um, sorry, Jen says hi from Seattle. Hi, hi Jen. And hi, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> the southern city of Tainan really is crazy about food. And I think justly so. We've talked in this program before about food from Tainan. Tainan's known for food, I think. Oh, it was the chocolate burger. That's the one. Oh, I don't remember that one. Was I the... can't keep track. There's so okay, many. Yeah. Uh, the, the latest thing is Burger King and having chocolate burgers there. We talked about this last oh, week. Wow. Um, but now, uh, for more some more traditional fare, I'm, mm. I'm saying, uh, they're launching multilingual menus this year. It's kind of odd timing, but I guess you have the downtime of COVID to sort of get it all together. Oh, you mean across the city? Yeah, or? yeah. Um, and the idea is when tourists come back, uh, mm-hmm. they can understand what's on the menu. They already have English, uh, but the new initiative includes Japanese, Korean, Thai, and Vietnamese. Oh, that is a lot. And they introduce them. Uh, so far, with just uh-huh. the English, uh, they have 769 eateries taking part. And actually, uh-huh. there's a website. I actually visited it to check the accuracy of some of the menus. So okay. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's trying to make the city more friendly to international visitors. Uh-huh. And I mean, they go on about their food. So uh, it's famous for being sweet, uh-huh. mainly. But also a lot of, because uh, they're by the coast, milkfish. Oh, which dis- bes- despite its name is not has nothing to do it's not dairy like at all um and so yeah the city government is going to assist businesses with translating dish names and they're going to have a database i guess of standardizing the translations I that don't know. would be helpful i feel like traditional um, food of all foods is very hard to translate right yeah. um and so this is where so like i said i checked actually the website where you mm-hmm. can i just at random chose you can look, look at them by district in the city oh that's and pretty they have cool. a list of all the participating how did they do um, so generally pretty good, but okay. okay, so you've pointed out, you've really hit the the nail on the head there. The <laughs> names of some of these traditional dishes are impossible to translate. Like you really, it takes a paragraph to explain what some of them are. Mm. Um, for instance, there's savory rice pudding, which is wangui, I think. And oh, but that's not a real pudding. It's not, no. Um, it's it's has the consistency sort of of a pudding. <laughs> it, it contains many other ingredients too, and right. it's, despite the name savory, it's also a bit sweet. So very, I don't think it does it justice at all. Um, mm. But saying a rice based flan-like dish that's savory but also sweet and may contain ingredients. It kind of, you know... That is not appealing, yeah. but I do like wonkwe. It's very good. So it's hard. I, I've actually yeah. been... And, and so, like, um, there's all, all other ones that I think uh, would have left me scratching my head if I haven't if I hadn't been there to the city before. Mm. They're like Taiwanese burrito. Nothing at all like a burrito. Rumbing. Yeah. Um, and kind there was of. one, I think they were talking about like tapioca balls and they called uh-huh. it tapioca gnocchi, which I think is not at all. No. Okay. So They're I feel like. trying to make it easier for foreigners to understand. But maybe not going about it in foods. a way that makes, it's right, not right. intuitive. It's not at all like what it sounds like. You no, know no, I mean? no. Um, and other ones that I often see that are hard or like grass or herbal jelly, which is hien which is very, uh-huh. very common, sort of almost uh, minty, but also licorice dessert. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, they call it grass or herbal jelly, which again, it's jelly like, that's true, but mm. like grass. <laughs> it doesn't. It's how. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or they just, in some cases, they resort to like other Asian languages, which, mm-hmm. so for instance, pao fan, which is a sort of a soup and rice like mm-hmm. dish, right? They use the, the Korean name. Oh. Which, if you don't know Korean cuisine, is not helpful at all. No, it wouldn't be the first thing to come to mind when you no. when you type it in on. But I tested this. When you type it in on Google in Chinese, that's what comes up as a suggested. So, so that's what the Wikipedia article using. in English. Yeah, they're using Google Translate. Well, no, they're using you know, the Wikipedia maybe. page okay. for the English for the dish for that dish. Mm. But again, if you if you don't know Asian cuisine, period, that doesn't mm-hmm. help at all. Or they just translate. Um, in a lot of cases, uh, they'll use like scientific names uh-huh. for oh. these uh, plants right, that don't right. that just they're they're eaten in Taiwan but not really consumed maybe in English speaking mm-hmm. countries, and so like yeah, Flormidia clarensis, you know, what it's not is, really <laughs> it sounds like a Harry that? Potter, you know. <laughs> Uh, or whatever. It sounds and like a spell. Yeah, it does. Uh, so I, I think I, I have, have actually been asked to translate a menu before and I had to turn it down because there were too many things. I just like, there's no way that's going to fit this description. <laughs> so maybe just yeah. use pictures. Maybe. Or just, oh, well, they'll have time to copy edit all of this. I don't know. I don't know who's in I charge. I want to help out. I want to help. Tapioca like. gnocchi. Um, no, that's not appealing at or, all. Or just like directly translate, like romanizing the Chinese name. That's another thing I've seen them do. Like, I, right. I, well, I, like boba. Boba is well, it's lemon, also though. romanized. It's lemon sort of jelly. Well, I is something else. It's sort of citrusy flavored, but. Again, I heard itself doesn't taste much like anything. It's like I've but seen they it also add called, lemon to I've it. I've seen it called fig jelly too, which is because I think it's it, the, the plant is made family? from is related. It just everything uh, is a stretch. It's really hard. So I don't know. Um, yeah, and there's guanzai bun. Oh, coffin bread. Yeah, yeah. Bread. That's it's actually just, my favorite local dish. It is. It's yeah, toast. Yeah. It's toast, but it's hollowed out thick toast, and they put all yeah. kinds of good stuff in there, and yeah. then close the coffin as it were um, <laughs> um, but I can see how that could also maybe be confusing frighten people yeah <laughs> anyway uh, best of luck to them they've got a whole lot of, bo- of new languages to cover now too well Leslie is very into tapioca gnocchi I mean yeah <laughs> Leslie I think is into all sorts of things so he, was, very he was very adventurous yeah yes. the, 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 the chocolate burger that we talked about last time oh, he was yes. into as well uh, I might Hershey's chocolate syrup on a Whopper. Mm, uh, Maybe not. (laughs) Not for me. Well, in terms of tourism potential, theoretically, Hongchun Airport on Taiwan's southern tip is in a very good place. It's next to Kunding National Park, a popular mm-hmm. tropical getaway for people here. They've got their uh, the national aquariums there, mm-hmm. um, and lots of coral, lots of scoop not scuba diving, but like you know snorkeling. Yeah, I hear the water sports, surfing's good too. Beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in practice, though, uh, yeah, not so much. The airport is subject to uh, some pretty wicked winds and that has forced it when it was operating Mm -hmm. um, back when it was operating I should say to sort of cancel flights kind of erratically Um, yeah it's called downslope winds I'm not sure where the winds are sloping down from Mm -hmm. I don't remember there being too many mountains there I've heard of this we learned it in geography from October to March it's a hazard Mm -hmm. to small planes which it's not going to accommodate you know 747s it's a smaller airport but you know local um, flights are pretty small 
So service, you know, wasn't really always uh, according to schedule. Dependable. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when it opened, and so when it opened in 2004, there were three carriers flying there. I mean, when it started domestic services, I should say, in 2004, mm-hmm. there were three carriers. But by 2007, only one of them was left. That was uh, just three years. Yeah. Wow. Two of them backed out. And part of it was because we, the high-speed railway opened during that time, mm. connecting, making oh, that part of the island that okay. much you know, more easily reachable from Taipei. But, um, you know, there was also the scheduling issues and I right. think maybe not so high demand. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was 2007. Come 2014, um, the flight was suspended. And for some reason, it took them till last year to officially end, cancel the flight, the route. That's Even though they hadn't actually been yeah. operating it for anyway, uh, it's seen its first airplane <laughs> in <laughs> all that since 2014. Yes, six years. Yeah, uh, I don't know. If, I think it's a bit early for them to get their hopes up because uh-huh. the um, winds are still the same. Well, they didn't even get out of the airplane. The, <laughs> the crew. Yeah, no, they just landed and waved hello. Um, I oh. should explain. Uh, I think this is probably because of COVID. Um, okay. Uh, it, this was a plane from the Philippines. So the borders oh, are not open. International flight. Yeah. Okay. But it's the first civilian flight in the airport in, in six years. It's a test flight. And of course, you know, you don't want people And who are these people? Um, so this is a looks like a charter based airline called Platinum Skies, which is a very fancy name. It um, is. It's based in the Philippines and it flew a thirty one seat twin turbine. Oh, uh, aircraft that's very small. To, well, yeah, but I mean, that's sort of the sort of planes I think this airport is configured for. Yeah. Um, it wasn't designed to accommodate, you know, triple sevens mm-hmm. or anything. So anyway, uh, it was a two-hour flight from Manila. It was a test flight. And mm-hmm. again, they don't even know in this article how many cabin crew were on board or flight engineers. But anyway, they had two pilots. They waved. And I guess they took off again. <laughs> it went back to Manila. They showed, like, the feasibility of it. Okay. Um, and the local county, uh, the county's uh, head, the magistrate, as we call it, uh, is uh, waved also from the control Aww. tower <laughs> and said um, it was a historic moment for the airport, I'll say. It hadn't mm. <laughs> first plane in however long. Um, and it used to be just domestic flights, right? Yeah. So, so this been, is exciting. Well, they've been trying to mm. figure out ways to make this airport not become sort of a white elephant project which is yeah. I guess what it was um, and so the county government contacted over 40 carriers and travel agencies in six countries throughout the local sort of East Asian region a lot of effort. in the fast four years to try and get them I mean it's probably this really nice national park I, I can see it is well if, if we do to, have a travel bubble built up right. for and COVID if, if you were to jet two hours in or not jet I guess this is like a turboprop but you know it's not yeah. bad it's not far um yeah, I can see that happening if you're in a nearby country and you're not, you know, flying across the world just for this one national park. Um, so, yeah, it's a business charter specialist. Mm. And, and they agreed. And it, it doesn't say if anyone else responded, which is kind of, I guess, maybe the commercial viability. Maybe gradually was, they will. Maybe respond? if this one yeah. works, it, it's possible. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, uh, I don't want to say airline, business charter specialist um, <laughs> agreed to fly one charter flight per week starting in June. But then COVID-19 happened. Mm. And so that took that off the menu. Um, oh, and COVID messed so many things <laughs> up. But uh, Monday's test flight this article says, indicates that the carrier could still serve the route in the future. Um, and, 
you know, uh, we like I said, it looks like it was mostly domestic flights in the past, so that'd mm-hmm. be interesting. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, they're also going to do some upgrades, including a new runway that will enable planes to land in stronger winds, which I think is going to address one of the big issues with this, this airport. Is a very, very big project for Henson. Yeah, I hope it works out. All right, well, uh, this T-shirt from the Czech Republic Ooh, that yes. uh, became a sensation here in Taiwan is finally available here. Right, so uh, that was when the Czech Senate speaker came to Taiwan with a huge delegation, right? Yeah, why, why was it that that shirt, because it's a kind of a long way to go to buy a T-shirt to order from, from, Czech, from the Czech Republic. Yeah. Well... Uh, so, do we have to introduce the teacher? Yeah, I think we should. Okay, so um, when he came and stood before uh, the basically the the legislature here. Yes, in a speech, he ended it with "Was Taiwan," meaning "I am Taiwanese" in Mandarin, and um, that was inspired by JFK, right? When he spoke uh, in Berlin. Ich bin ein Berliner. However, he said it. <laughs> right. So. Um, that's saying he's standing with Taiwan um, with our um, values of democracy and freedom. And so this went wild online. Taiwanese people loved him so much. And well, the lawmakers gave him a standing ovation, too. Yeah, they did. And, yeah. So this Chuck T-shirt company made a T-shirt that says it spells out Washi Taiwan Ren in Romanized um, letters, the Roman spelling, and also says the translation in Czech underneath. That's interesting. I like. I'm, I wonder if that was news in the Czech Republic. Like, I what, don't what know. Prompted them? Because originally this T-shirt emporium was not shipping to Taiwan or selling no, to Taiwan. No, no. So I wonder who they thought was going to buy that. Ta- the small number of Taiwanese people in the Czech Republic, uh, or the Senate Speaker's family. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Limited edition. It's a very yes. niche market, isn't it? It is. Um, but many Taiwanese people reached out and. The, the uh, owners of the company came out and said, oh, we're working with a Taiwanese um, distributor or company to see if we can ship this to Taiwan. And now you can find it on Shopee, which is a online, um, in, an e-commerce website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And only for 300 ta- uh, new Taiwan dollars. Which is, let's see, my math is not very good. It it's is like s- $10? Something like that. Yeah. Roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, they're, they're, would you buy one? I mean, you're Taiwanese. You're the Taiwanese yeah. person in the room. I, Does this stir your patriotic feelings? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I love Taiwan very much. But <laughs> they wouldn't put it on a t-shirt. No, maybe if the font was more designy. It's very... I don't know if people can see this, but <laughs> it's just kind of plain. I suppose you're right. Yeah. They could have at least put the flag on. Or maybe the text in Chinese, even. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that would be cool. Like a combination of two very different languages on on screen uh, on the t-shirt. I don't know. Well, I don't know if the um, there are Czech people here. There are Taiwanese people there. There are people on both sides who love the other very much. Uh, yeah, well, people here are very excited. I, I You can pre-order now. Oh, it's not available yet? Not yet. Very Ooh. soon. Very, very soon. But you can pre-order on Shopee and people are going crazy. I've, yeah, I've heard lots of people say they want to buy a shirt. Well, not Catherine, but <laughs> <laughs> All 
President Tsai Ing-wen has been doing all sorts of things. We've heard mm. recently about uh, the tea shop promotion. Um, well, I don't think she was trying to promote them, but anyway. Um, no, that just happened. <laughs> uh, she's also, while she's been doing all of this, made a very important list. Yes. So today, today is the 23rd, um, Time Magazine came out with its yearly list of top 100 most influential people in the world, and Tsai Ing-wen is on the list. Wow, how did she get there? Uh, she's influential, but 100, that's a, that's a very select crew. It is. So she's here for Taiwan's success in fighting COVID and uh, for standing up to China. Okay. So to, to sum up. A list of things that they said she did. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, So, the the magazine invited Senator Ted Cruz to write about why Tsai Ing-wen is part of the list. Which interesting choice. I don't think they have much of a there's not much of a connection between the two, is there? Well, he's always been very supportive of her. I feel like so the presidential office also came out and said thank you and also said um ted cruz has always been very sincere and supportive of taiwan especially for joining um international organizations and all that okay so there is like a slight friendly yeah (laughs) so anyway let's talk about title this is about time right right so um well she's one of the 54 women on the list so Mm -hmm. over half this year uh are women and they're especially pointing out how less than a dozen people died in Taiwan because of the virus. So the virus can't be controlled. And they're also saying she has never backed down um, from China's threats and all that, you know, especially with there's been a lot going on this year between across the street. Well, in the last what, week, week, especially the military drills, mm. the the planes flying over, crossing the media. Straight drama. Lots of drama. But right. So, yeah, they're saying Taiwan has never backed down in the face of danger, which is pretty much this whole year. That's good. I'm, yeah. That's, uh, and, and I'm surprised, though. I feel like she was on it before. Was she, am I mistaken? She was, uh, she was on the cover before. Oh, that's what I'm ago. thinking of. Yeah. I was going to say, like. I, I wanted a copy of that. I couldn't get my hands on it. Oh yeah, it sold out immediately. So that's what I was thinking of. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's kind of a, a rare honor to get that twice, isn't it? Um, but I guess I'm, I'm, I'm was wrong. She just the, had her. Yeah, that's two different achievements there. Right, right. But with the same magazine, I think she was on the cover a few years ago when she just got elected. Okay, well now yeah. she's in her second term and mm-hmm. still making uh, her influence felt throughout the world. Will you be mm-hmm. rushing to buy this edition before it sells out? If they come out, I don't know. So uh, on the Time website, you can see mock-ups of all the uh, the people on the list. They each have their own cover design with the same, you know, the the red frame, which is t- what Time does. The iconic but, red frame. Yep. <laughs> but I don't know if um, there will be actually a hundred different copies that look look different. Oh, that or, could be difficult. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe th- I think they're all printed inside the magazine, aren't they? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't. I haven't read magazine in a very long time. <laughs> I think it shows. Um, and what's also interesting about this list is that she's not the only Taiwanese person on it. She's not. Uh, we also have a veteran gay activist, Ji Jiawei, on the list. Too. I've, I've seen him in person before. Oh, you have? Waving a rainbow flag from the top of a building. Oh, well... At our, we have a pride parade in October. Right, right. Yeah, that's where I'm I saw hoping him last to see year. him. So, uh, yeah, very uh, good. Good to know that two, at least, mm-hmm. of, the, of the 100 are from Taiwan. That's not bad for I know. Uh, it's a lot for such a small for island. For such a right? small island, yes. Filled with uh, influential people. <laughs> 
Well, thank you very much for joining us today here on Here in Taiwan. If you're tuning into the, our radio edition, please stay tuned because in a moment we're going to have hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and in the spotlight coming your way next. For now, though, for those of us, for those of you uh, joining our live stream, thanks for thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm John Van Trieste, and I'm Catherine Way. Welcome to this week's Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Two weeks in a row now, and I have another hashtag double feature for you. A few weeks ago, I talked about how Joseph Gordon-Levitt asked for pictures of Taiwan for a project he was doing. We weren't sure of what the project was until this week. I'll be talking about that in Hashtag, as well as an interesting Twitter trend that happened in Taiwan, where many, 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 many collectives popped up. Not a lot of time for niceties again this week, so let's just get right into it. Another week, another hashtag double whammy. Two weeks ago, I talked about how Hollywood actor Joseph Gordon-Levitt asked for photos of Taiwan for a project he was doing. Now, he didn't talk about what the project was, but we found out what it was earlier this week. It's a short film called Lost in Taiwan, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt co-produced it. It takes images and writings from over 150 contributors, and it circled around the concept, when I think of Taiwan, I think of blank. Now, we'll have a link to the entire video in the show notes below, and now on to the hashtag proper. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about beef. No, I'm not talking about Taiwanese imports from the U.S. I'm talking about beef in the way Urban Dictionary defines it, which is to have a grudge or to start one with another person. The story behind this week's hashtag goes back to 2019. Man, judging by how long 2020 has been so far, I'd say that's about five years ago. Anyway, back in 2019, protests hit the city of Hong Kong. People in Hong Kong were opposing a proposed extradition bill. That movement brought activists together online who came together to form the Laosan Collective in support of what they call decolonial left perspectives from Hong Kong. Sir Isaac Newton's third law of motion states that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. In this case the formation of the Chiao Collective. According to its Twitter account it is a collective of diaspora Chinese challenging US aggression on China. The Chiao Collective defended the Chinese government's crackdown on the Hong Kong protests. If you look at their Twitter account they do post some pretty inflammatory stuff. So how did people respond to the formation of the Chow Collective? Some with fire and some with parody. And by that, I mean parody Twitter accounts. 
Back in June, the Diao Collective formed. It's a Twitter account that asserts China did nothing wrong and it's just like a dialectic, man. It's snarky, it's sarcastic, and there's no taking it seriously. But the Diao Collective is not the focus of today's show. Taiwan's Twitterverse was bombed with dozens of other Chao Collective parody accounts that popped up earlier this week. And by earlier this week, I mean like three days ago. There are so many of them and more are popping up by the day. Nobody seems to have a clear idea of what spawned this trend. There's the Niao Collective, which is themed on birds because Niao means bird. There's the Meow Collective, which is themed on cats because duh. Then there's the Xiao Collective, which focuses on small things because guess what Xiao means in Chinese. And lastly, there's the Liao Collective, which surprisingly does not focus on me, Leslie Liao. You done goof there, Liao Collective. The sheer number of these collective Twitter accounts popping up is getting out of hand. One of the accounts, I'm not even sure which one anymore, posted this picture of many Spider-Men pointing at one another. Then someone upped the ante and added even more Spider-Men with more collectives with names ending with I-A-O. And then another Spider-Man Spider-Man meme came out, this time featuring collectives that just sounded like they ended with IAO. They say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but in this case, I think Spider-Man would beg to differ. And that just about does it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed that hashtag double feature. And as always, if you guys have any questions, comments, or suggestions, go ahead and send them to us at our Facebook pages. There's two you can message. One is Radio Taiwan International, and the other is Taiwan Insider. Both can be found if you just search it on the bar. While you're at it, make sure to give us a like and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Anyway, until next week, stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy, I'll talk to you again soon. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Earthquakes, floods, fires, it seems like we've seen a lot of stories about these things in the international news of late. The question is, are you prepared for a natural disaster? Well, today we have for you a life hack, how to make a go bag for emergencies. And here to tell us all about it is Catherine Waite. Hey, Catherine. Hi. So this seems like a perfect time to be putting together a go bag, not just because we've seen it on the news, but also this coming Monday is National Disaster Prevention Day, uh, September 21st. It's named after that big earthquake in 1999. That's right. right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. And this year, the government is working with stores to make it easier for people who want to be prepared for an emergency. An emergency bag is also called a go bag. That's because you can grab it and go in the event of an earthquake, typhoon, fire, you name it. But what should we be packing in a go bag? The Interior Ministry has worked with superstores in Taiwan to set up areas where you can get what you need. Interior Minister Shu Guoyong introduces some of the items that should go in your bag. Things like a flashlight, wet wipes, a Swiss Army knife, a whistle, as well as enough food and water to last you for three days. The Interior Ministry is also working with online shopping platforms to help people buy what they need for their grab bag from the comfort of their homes. 
The minister also explained the importance of securing your furniture as it won't topple in a big quake and installing emergency alarms. So what kind of things should go into your go bag? You'll of course need enough food and water for three days, clothes that can keep you warm, and a first aid kit with any medication you might need. This is probably most important, your ID or copies of it? Small things like a flashlight, a radio, batteries, a whistle, a Swiss army knife. And don't forget, before you head out, wear shoes to protect your feet and something to protect your head. It might be handy to have a few masks ready too. So once we have these bags ready, where do we go in the event of a disaster? So the National Fire Agency website has maps of um, how to evacuate and where to seek shelter down to each neighborhood. Wow. That's great. That is great. Here is one for where RTI is located. On the map, police and fire stations are marked for people seeking help as well as both indoor and outdoor evacuation shelters. So do you guys have bags? Now you know where to go. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know either. Now. So, so thanks thank for you for telling that. us. Yeah. Um, I don't have a go I don't bag. have one either. You don't either? What about you, Kat? I had one a few years ago, and I ate everything in it. <laughs> everything in it? Oh, no. The snacks, they expire. <laughs> you have to, like, uh, keep it full. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's something you should check every year on September 21st, right. National Disaster Preparedness Day. Right? right. So thank you very much. Now I know what to do. Hopefully we don't need one of these go bags, but uh, now we know how to make one. And that is our Town Explained for the week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Edgar Cho is the founder of Spark Labs, a strategically designed accelerator program to help founders grow and turn their startups into world-class businesses. Last week, Edgar was saying he divides his founders into three parts. Today, let's begin by finding out what those three parts are. The first part is the founder who sold their company before, who exited before. So they all have a heart that, want, that they want to give back. Uh, but I also try to avoid, you know, like when, when, when a founder who sold their company before, whatever he said, it looks like it's all right. So I also got some of the founder who raised more but haven't got exited, which is still on the field, still mm -hmm. fighting. So those like later stage founders can also help on for the early stage founders. So that's like the first part. It's like more about the uh, it's a sort of founders like uh, type uh, a mentor. The second part is corporate executives. So for a lot of corporate executives, sure, they got their full-time job, they got their daytime job, but at the same time, they are curious about what's a new trend. Mm. What are the sort of right now, the hot up topics are right now like among the sort of field. And also they want to learn more about how innovation can drive their corporate uh, growth. So by, by having that interest, more and more corporate executives are willing to leverage their time, to give out their time to coach startups in order to maybe seek for partnership or seek for um, some of the domain, uh, domain experiences from those corporate executives. That's the second type of mentors. And the third, third type is the investor side. Mm. So a lot of venture capitalists and also a lot of like uh, family offices, they are looking for good deals. They are looking for good uh, investment deals to invest. But a lot of the time, you, because you, it's not like 
at the very early early stage that you look into the team. So you are lacking off like the judgment period that you can see um, like maybe this, this team got potential or this team actually have more um, opportunities to grow with maybe your family office or grow with your fund. So we, with these three types of mentors that our founders can also get a chance to be coached by different perspectives or different geographic like background founders. So that's how uh, this mechanism actually work quite well uh, in, within Spark Labs Taipei. So Spark Labs is your very, very first startup. So uh, this is not my like first, I won't say like my first startup because we are like the startup helping more startups. Yeah. So um, my entrepreneurial career path starting from uh, late 2011. So after I graduated from Chuan University, I work at HP as a uh, bioplanner at Global Procurement Services. I later joined IBM uh, to be a search consultant uh, under Global Business Services, helping more manufacturers, big companies, how they can do new business development and also looking for emerging business opportunities. So in uh, by very late 2011, uh, the senior from Tsinghua University uh, came up with an idea and, and want to start a company together. And at, at that time, they invited me to join the company. And we did uh, one of the very well-known call ID service called Who's Call. Uh-huh. Uh, that was the that was a mobile app that can identify search numbers or, or including like the fraud numbers, sales calls, just right by using uh, our app. Right. Who's call? I mean, don't you think we all need to use this app? Because <laughs> there's so many scams these days, so many, you know, false numbers and people who are trying to sell their stuff. You know, we, 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 we just hate these people. So don't you think we should all have <laughs> this app? I mean, you know, I've got friends who's been scammed. Yeah. My daughter got scammed. Mm-hmm. You know, if only we had known these before. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, how's who's call? I mean, it's W-H-O-S-C-A-L-L. Correct. Who's call. Yeah, so who's call concept was uh, quite simple. It's that when we get the strange number, uh, it's a missing call. And then what will, what will we do like next? We'll just go on Google and try to type in those numbers to yeah. see where, whether there's a chance that we can find out maybe a number of information. Uh-huh. So we think of, why don't we just put these two actions together? When calls coming into your phone, we just help you search on the puppy search engine directly right away, yeah. right away and yeah. you, you, you can see the number result and later decide whether you want to pick up the phone call or you, you can just shout out like the name is, hey, yeah. Miss, Mr. Wan, yeah, I know you are calling, something like that. Uh-huh. So that, that was the original concept I came from. And especially at that time, fraud numbers of scam calls was so popular in yeah. Asia. Um, and, and, and we started to build the product. And we, we targeted like all the countries who have like calling behavior going to be benefited uh, by, by using who's call. So uh, we started with a very small team, it's like six, seven people, uh, but we targeted to go international from day one, targeted to go global from day one. Uh-huh. So every three months, we just acquire additional 1 million users by like entering Japanese market, Korean market, mm. or even like the Middle East market or South Asia market. And we started to grow the team. So um, the team, uh, we, we full-time started in 2012 April. We were lucky enough to be acquired by a nice mother company, Naver, uh-huh. in 2013. 
uh, uh, Q3. So that was like within one and a half year, our company got exited. Yeah. Uh, and the company is still growing. Uh, the team is right now growing to more than 100 uh, full-time staff okay. uh, entering more markets. And, and I think have... You guys sold it? We Did sold it, but we, we're still operating it. Oh, oh you are? Uh, I, I'm right now just a pure shareholder of the company. Right. Yeah. But it's like, you know, every government should require <laughs> <laughs> every mobile user to have this app. So we, we do work closely with like, the, uh, some government departments, especially from the de- uh, police departments. Yeah. They, 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 they get the number reporting uh, uh, from like, who's called because uh, we can identify. <gasps> That's how they track <laughs> the other time <laughs> when my daughter got scammed. And the police, they eventually told us that it was, some, it was actually a connecting number ordered from China. And there was no way that they could to um, track it. So that's one case that uh, how you can leverage technology, uh, but really benefit for your daily lives. Um, and especially as what I mentioned, like the reason why data is that important is that you need to accumulate that, but by analyzing that. So there were a lot of like scam uh, happening in Taiwan. Husko was the first, you know, like a, uh, a service provider who can identify those scam calls like it's calling from. Yeah. So not just like public search engine, we're also using crowdsourcing mechanism to that user to reporting, to report those like number information. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. But I'm wondering, I'm sure the auto scams, experienced scams, they know about who's call. But there's no way for them to block who's call. <laughs> because, uh, but I mean, they still get a chance to trick for the users who don't download who's call. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Every one of us needs to have yeah. who's call then. Yeah, but <laughs> I think it's not just about scam. It's all about communication. Also, how you can build the content network of trust. So, uh, who's call not just dealing with for the strange numbers. We are also dealing with like weak tie communication. So, for example, like restaurants or insurance company, or even like whenever there's maybe the call from hospital or the call from the sales driver, those calls are the calls that you want to receive. Yes. But those calls that if you don't identify the number background, you might be missing it. So uh, by using who's call that you get a chance to pick the call that you want to pick, but also like save more time for you to like deal with some other more important things. Yeah. So those behavior is exactly what we, uh, we think there's a lot of potential from startup. And that's also like the potential that we should all back on more early stage founders. This is just one thing that it's not about Taiwan, but it's more about for all the entrepreneurial mindset should just aiming for a bigger market and move fast and just try to crunch it that for for every like uh, three months or four months, just try to achieve another target. Mm. Uh, but not, not, not many entrepreneurs in Taiwan have that kind of awareness. So mm-hmm. that's the reason why, like, after the acquisition of, like, Who's Call, I uh-huh. got moved to Naver. I also see, like, how uh, inter- internet big giant, how they um, move to new markets, how they allocate resources. So definitely, like, for startups that you need to move super fast. You know, well, I was talking with Edgar earlier on before we started the interview, and I realized that Edgar has never studied abroad, never been abroad, and yet he's speaking this perfect English. So I studied in Jai, and my my, my middle middle school is called um, Concordia Middle School. That the teacher actually taught us, like in the very beginning, this is all English taught in in in, in classroom English learning. 
So it was an international school, or anyway, it, no, English. It, it's, it's not English. English speaking school? No. No. It's oh, just it was like, teacher. Yeah, just teacher. Aww. So, um, but at that time we didn't learn any like grammar or learn like the how how you should phrase your words. But it's more about speaking um, it, speaking it by acting, you know, like drama oh. or by by all those communication. But uh, what triggered me like to start to deep dive or to try to use a language is that when 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 it comes to work, that you you know you need to express a very complicated. Idea to someone who not, who might not be in this field, or even like if you are getting into Japanese market or Korean market, uh, it's very hard for them to understand what you are talking about. Mm-hmm. So one of the thing you need to prepare is that you need to transfer those very complicated idea into simple sentence. And <laughs> here comes to uh, you start to practice that and you know like you need to moving all the useless like wordings by only precise, clear, but simple that people don't cause any misunderstanding. Wow. So when it comes to like international business development, it's always all about communication. If you are trying to play around like all the fancy words, the result gonna be something you don't want to face. Right. So better to do that is to be clear, to be precise, and to add on add more like just add on the 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 communication frequency to make sure that the goals are aligned. And so the, when it when it comes to that stage, language or the speaking capability is just the way that you communicate. It's just one of the tools. You learned all this in elementary school from your teacher. <laughs> now, this teacher was a foreigner or a Taiwanese teacher? It's actually in, in middle high school. It's middle high school, yeah. okay. A, a Taiwanese teacher? Yeah, it's a Taiwanese teacher. Oh, you got to give all your thanks to him or her. <laughs> that, that is amazing. That really is amazing. That's a very good concept. That's, the, that's what all Taiwanese people need to hear. Don't be intimidated by English. Mm. Yeah, you're saying it's a tool, you yeah. know? Mm. And, and to enjoy just learning English and yeah. not thinking that you want to come out right and be a perfect speaker yeah. from the start, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow, that's I, great. I think it's, it's more important because I'm right now having more startups that are entering for uh, multinational markets mm-hmm. and you know like um, if you don't speak up that a lot of time your voice or your your idea just will be ignored not just that you need to learn that but you, you need to learn how to form an idea a statement and even like an argument that you can have a discussion with uh, your counterparty and yeah. I think that's very important for most of the Taiwanese not just like entrepreneurs. So when it comes to like, especially in the, in the, in the US, if you try to collaborate with some project, that you need to, you need to speak up. The, the other thing too, is that even if you do speak English, but you, how you keep it up, that's the thing. How yeah. do you keep up your English? It's just talk more. <laughs> yeah. And even to like Taiwanese counterparts, <laughs> Taiwanese colleagues. So it's what I mentioned, like we have a very strong global network uh, of mentors mm. from Spark Labs Taipei. Uh, it's actually half of them are uh, foreigners. They are not right. Taiwanese. Mm. So when it comes to, you need to explain what you are doing. Uh, and it, when it comes to like the discussion, it's all in English. Where do you want to see Spark Labs in Five years, ten years. I have like two goals setting. The first one is I, I, I want more K 
kids in Taiwan that have the vision or have that kind of feeling when they come to, when they come to Spotless Taipei Demo Day, they can see a group of visionary founders that are from Taiwan but targeted like global markets. They are doing something super cool, make the real impact to the society, solve the problem that human beings are right now facing. I want that thing happen. Within five years. Okay. But I also want more founders from Taiwan have the confidence to say like your technology is really good、uh, among the average. The thing is that the go-to market、uh, might be your bottleneck, but when it comes to global expansion, that Spotify Taipei, me myself will just be the person that to, willing to support you toward you, your next milestone. You're just marketing yourself, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I wish you much success with Spark Labs, Edgar. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun talking、yeah. to you. Thanks for having、time. me. It's my pleasure to be to be interviewed, and definitely like looking forward to working with all the entrepreneurs, all the corporates to make the world a, a better world. Yes, that's great. Thanks, Edgar. Thank you. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwaninternational. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwaninternational for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs>